Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now locating vibranium deposits. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we've got a film review for Wakanda Forever. And we're also breaking down episode 11 of Andor. Plus, we're going to be previewing AEW's Full Gear. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, up first, James Gunn and Peter Safford of DC Studios apparently are near completion of their quote-unquote DC Universe Bible. Just last month, James Gunn and Peter Safran were made your new co-chairs and co-CEOs of the all-new DC Studios. And now Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zaslov is happily reporting in that the roadmap for the DCU is nearly complete. It seems the two of them are calling it the DC Universe Bible, Zaslov said during a panel at RBC 2022 Global TIMT Conference, whatever the fuck that is. He would also go on to state, I think over the next few years, you're going to see a lot of growth and opportunity around DC. There's not going to be four Batmans. And so part of our strategy is to drive the hell out of DC, which James and Peter are going to do. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what we wanted from the get-go. Um, especially with them hiring someone like James Gunn, you know, someone to come in and really have a unified vision for what, you know, the DC universe looks like cinematically. Um, so hopefully we're getting that. And I like the fact that they're like doing their due diligence and actually like, you know, mapping this thing out um, instead of just like flying by the seat of their pants, which is kind of what we've been getting over the last couple years. And don't get me wrong, I think one of the issues, you know, the DCEU had uh, right off the bat was it was trying too much to be like the MCU, but they weren't willing to take the time to let it really like organically build and grow. You know, they were trying to like take a shortcut to get there like as fast as possible, Um, you know, which was a mistake. So hopefully they can kind of like reset the table and start afresh. My guess is like once some of these like pre-existing projects are over with, you know, like probably after whatever, you know, takes place with Flashpoint, um, you know, happens, that's when we're really going to start to see like Gunn's new vision for DC. Um, And yeah, I'm sure Flashpoint is going to be used as like a catalyst to kind of get them there, you know, which is what we kind of suspected with Flashpoint from the get go, even before we had this huge shake. Mm -hmm. So but now I feel like I I just I don't know, I feel like I could trust that there's going to be more of a vision, you know, behind everything that happens, Um, you know, not just, you know, kind of chasing, you know, dollars, um, which 
kind of felt like what was happening, um, you know, after a while. No, absolutely. Uh, but with that said, it sounds like there's definitely going to be less outside projects other than the main, you know, whatever they're doing. Like we have the Batman films right now, plus the DCEU. I'm assuming they'll just try either. We'll keep that for a little bit. Yeah. But eventually it'll just be yeah exactly streamlined yeah they're gonna want to streamline it like i i get what he's saying when he's like we're not gonna have four batmans because right now (laughs) they technically have three batmans even though we haven't Uh seen michael keaton you know back in the fold properly yet although we know that's on the horizon right um so i i'm guessing like plants have probably changed a bit from you know all the rumors that we heard Hmm. previously about you know michael keaton's role in like you know the dc universe uh after flashpoint so maybe that isn't going to be the direction that they go in and you know maybe we are going to see you know you know someone else underneath the cowl um because it felt like they were going to be going that like multiverse route for a little bit Mm. Um, and maybe that's still the case i don't know but it, it seems like they want to just kind of like start afresh if you will which i'm fine with you know and like we've been saying i feel like flashpoint gives you that opportunity um i don't know what that necessarily means for the other pre-existing you know dc films like do they find a way to kind of like blend those characters into their more like streamlined universe um like are they going to try to merge matt reeves like batman into like this new like dc you know studios universe whatever the hell they they end up calling it <laughs> my guess is too that like sometime after flashpoint they you know unveil this new you know vision if you will and kind of give fans an idea of what to expect from the future of dc you know i could see that happening at like you know san diego or what's the big dc event that they usually do the the fandom thing but i feel like which they didn't already... do fandom right this past year yeah. so you know it's probably be it'll probably be at one of the conventions or you know exactly. some special event they put together we know that they want to have a bigger presence at those conventions now yeah well, as we heard this past year or so well yeah with everything going on i didn't blame them for kind of uh-huh. like putting their head <laughs> in the sand <laughs> and sitting this one out so all right next we have an update for captain america 4 In an interview with Collider, Vice President of Production and Development Nate Moore revealed that Captain America New World Order would begin principal photography and filming in spring of 2023, with the film slated to release May 3rd, 2024. Yeah, that's such a long wait. Um, I'm hoping that Sam and Bucky like pop up somewhere else before this, because I mean, it'll be like three years since the uh, Mm -hmm. Falcon Winter Soldier series. So I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just being greedy, but <laughs> when, when's uh, Thunderbolts supposed to come out? Uh, Thunderbolts actually comes out after on July 26th, that okay. same year. Oh, all right. Well, we know that, you know, Bucky's going to be in Thunderbolts, but that really does us no good. I mean, <laughs> it's even a longer <laughs> wait, uh, you know, and I'm guess I, I have a feeling that Sam might be part of it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he'll be like the antagonist slash protagonist. You know, going up against the Thunderbolts, especially since he has there's so many characters that he has ties to mm-hmm. that are supposed to be in that film. So um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to both projects, but man, I just don't want to have to fucking wait, I guess. <laughs> there's still like a ton of speculation that uh, Red Hulk could be in both those films, too. Oh, so yeah, I can see knows? that. 
absolutely. We'll move on to more MCU news. We have some possible casting rumors for the upcoming Wonder Man project. We don't know if it's a series or a film yet, right, Christian? Right. Okay. Daniel RPK is back at it again this week with a rumor about Courtney Cox being in talks with Marvel for a role in Wonder Man. Of course, best known for her roles in Friends, Cougar Town, and the Scream franchise, Cox seems like an easy fit for any comedy production. Yeah, I could see her playing like a co-star in some like, you know, film Wonder Man's supposed to be starring in. Um... You know, or, or maybe she's playing Tigra. That'd be cool. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more of just like his agent or something. But Tigra is possible. I could see an agent or some like uh, entertainment reporter. I mean, basically Gail Weathers, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Not the typecaster or anything, but I mean, it's a great addition. Also, according to Daniel RPK, Ryan Reynolds is hoping to get Channing Tatum in for a cameo in Deadpool 3. I don't know if you remember this, but he was set to star in a film as Gambit a while back, but it fell through. After additional rumors of this being a multiverse film that will pop into several Fox-owned Marvel projects, this could easily be another one of them that our Merc with a Mouth, you know, visits. But we shall see. Alright, up next, Sony announces a slate of Marvel live-action Spider-Man spinoffs shows. That's right, Sony has announced a partnership with Prime Video and MGM Plus for a full slate of Spider-Man spin-off series, starting with the Silk Spider Society. So, Christian, I thought this was already officially a thing. Like, we've been talking about the Silk show coming for years now, it feels like. Um, so I, w- I was surprised uh, that this was like a big headline. Um, but I guess that it wasn't already announced. You know, uh, never officially officially announced, I think. (laughs) Now, this is going to be on um, what Amazon and something called MGM Plus. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a service that you can use with Amazon Prime. Is it a pre-existing know? service right now? Does it is it already going on MGM Plus, or is it something like new on the horizon? I think it's new because they just Amazon just purchased Epics and uh, also MGM, so they're going to be merging those two and turning it into its own service on their service. <laughs> yeah, that's just a headache for me. I don't. So I have to have Amazon Prime to pay for this MGM plus. Yes. So you basically have to pay for two services to see these like, Spider-Man shows. It's what you're telling me. It's just me. like paying for HBO. I mean, on I feel Hulu, like everyone you know? has Amazon prime at this point. Yeah. So, but okay, sure. Um, I'm excited for the show. Uh, we've talked about this multiple times at this point. Sydney mm-hmm. moon's an awesome character. Also, it sounds like Angela Kang is going to be the showrunner who uh, currently is the showrunner on Walking Dead, but we know that's coming to an end shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly. <laughs> so we can expect Silk to last like a good 10 seasons then? I don't know. Like it doesn't have that AMC money apparently behind it, so mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm curious what the subtitle means, the, the whole uh, quote-unquote Spider Society. Um now, this is also executive produced by Lord and Miller, so I don't know if we're going to be getting, like, other Spider-Verse characters involved in the show. Um, Cindy Moon is supposed to be popping up in the next, uh, you know, the Spider-Verse uh, sequel that's coming mm-hmm. out, uh, you know, in next year. So, I mean, will it have, like, direct ties to that film? Um, you know, you know, just obviously in live action form. Uh, I have no clue. So it'll be interesting to find out what all this means. 
Now, when they say slate, they meant one one show. <laughs> I, I guess maybe there's more that they announced to other people, or it's behind closed doors. But well, I I could be totally misremembering. I swear there was a rumor going around that there was going to be like a Spider-Man show, you know, like starring like Peter Parker that would exist out of continuity, um, you know, for the like, you know, compared to like the MCU, you know, Spider-Man. But this was, I feel like years ago they were talking about that. So that, that might have just been like a rumor where it'd be like almost like a CW version mm. of Spider-Man, if you will. That was the, com you know, the comparison people were making at the time. So, but that might have just been a dream. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot of news and rumors, so uh -huh. especially throughout the years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, cool. Like, I I'm kind of sad that I already sold my first appearance of Cindy Moon because um, <laughs> I'm sure that book is skyrocketing right now. Uh -huh. but it is what it is. You play the market and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Do you think the, the society might be like the people that are going to be in the Madam Web film? Uh, that's a strong possibility. Since they're introducing a couple characters Dude, I there. I have no idea what Sony's doing. I have, I mean, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> your guess is as good as mine. Uh, maybe, maybe Cindy like makes a cameo in that movie and then it's, you know, spins off into the series. Why not? I mean, sure. Or maybe it's a live action version of, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You know, with like, you know, her living in an apartment with, you know, Iceman and Firestar. You know, and a little fluffy dog. I can't remember the dog's name. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm game either way. So hmm. you just know that they're just trying to find their own person outside of Peter Parker that they can just use continuously without, you know, any you know word from the MCU. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Also, before we move on from Marvel, uh, there is a rumor going around that Jenna Ortega uh, is in talks currently to play White Tiger in the upcoming Daredevil Born Again series on Disney+. Plus. So there's actually four different versions of the White Tiger in the comic books. Uh, my guess, though, is, you know, she's going to be playing either Angela or Ava um, from the books. Uh, Ava's the most recent White Tiger. Uh, she premiered in the um, Avengers Academy uh, series a while back. She's also been in one of the Spider-Man cartoons recently. Although, since she's popping up in Daredevil, I guess they could be going with the Angela version of the character. Since Angela, I, I believe she was like a police detective that worked with Daredevil, um, I believe during the Bendez run. So, you know, maybe they're going with that version of the character. I'm completely wrong. Uh, it's just like the Ava version is like a younger version of the character. So I feel like that makes more sense for Jenna Ortega to be playing. Uh, but this is all just a rumor. So <laughs> maybe I'm just wasting my breath. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, if it is true, um, I'm excited to see White Tiger in the MCU. Uh, she's a really cool character uh, who can, you know, go toe to toe with Daredevil. Also, it's a really badass costume, uh, you know, so I, I could see like this character being a huge hit with fans, you know, if, you know, they do choose to, you know, debut her in the series. 
Well, moving on to the world of horror, it looks like Jason Bloom and James Wan are currently in talks to possibly merge horror production companies. According to Variety, it seems that James Blum and James Wan's production companies are on the verge of a major merge. With James Wan and Atomic Heart's first look deal coming to an end with Warner Bros. Discovery, it seems he has interest in working with the successful budget horror company Blumhouse. Wan was quoted recently by the New York Times as considering the two companies complementary to one another. Supposedly, while the companies would merge as one, they would continue to work under two separate labels under their current plan, though no word if their teams will be interchangeable or just work entirely separately. Currently, the two studios have a film to be released on January 6th under the you know, Universal called Megan, which is about a killer doll that looks pretty interesting. Well, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. I mean, the sheer volume of films both production companies pump out yearly, you know, in mainstream horror is, is pretty astounding. So, um, a couple of years ago, I, I think I'd probably be a little more excited for this. Um, but recently, uh, Blumhouse's batting average hasn't been that great. So I'm worried yeah. that, you know, Wad's production company will get the, that Blumhouse stink all over it. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that as well. Uh, but... You know, everyone hits a rough patch once in a while, and who knows, maybe James Wan will, you know, help write the course when it comes to Blumhouse uh, and, you know, some of the, you know, weird choices they've been making lately. But yeah, I mean, if this means more horror films, have at it. You know, merge all you want. As long as this is not another situation where James Wan is starting something and then just leaving. He's not just leaving. <laughs> That's not what he's doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's still sure. producing the films, technically. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he's a busy man. That's what producing's all about, right? Sure. He comes up with a germ of an idea, and then he hands it off, and, you know, <laughs> he reaps the benefits. That's, I mean, it is what Clearly. it is. <laughs> it's more of a case of him getting, you know, those properties in the right hands. Which, you know, obviously the Conjuring universe has been, you know, kind of struggling with lately. So, um, I don't know. I, I trust James a lot. But anyway, moving on. Uh, the upcoming new Alien film, which I don't even remember being a thing, <laughs> reportedly has found its lead. Fede Alvarez and company seem to have a star in mind for their upcoming Alien film for Hulu. Deadline claims that the studio has been in talks with and has been hoping to cast the Kraft Legacy star Kaylee Spaney since the beginning of their, you know, casting process. Wait, wasn't this a TV series at one point? Or is that a uh, different thing? It's going to, That's a different thing by Noah Hawley, uh, the people that did Fargo and Legion. I don't remember anything about Fede Alvarez <laughs> doing an alien movie. Is he? Did you say he was directing it? Yeah, he's planning on directing it. Uh, he said that with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> true. And then he fooled us all. That was awful. <laughs> <laughs> all we know is that he brought a script in front of Ridley Scott, and Ridley Scott was in love with it, and that's why this is all moving forward, and they're all gung-ho to put this on Hulu. It's going to be another one of those straight-to-Hulu projects. Yeah, what is the deal with Hulu getting all these, like, franchise-like films lately? Like, going directly to their, like, streaming service? Is it a case of Disney not wanting to put out these, like, movies in the theaters for some reason? I'm not sure. Because Disney owns um, Hulu. Mm -hmm. And maybe Disney doesn't want to, like, market like these types of movies or something it's weird I, I right know. when you have because it's it, it's still they could just put it under 20th century studios yeah. that's what they have you know 
I don't know. So I have I, to look more into like, is there other films that have been like produced like underneath that umbrella that have like actually gone theatrical? Because I mean, we uh, saw that with Predator, right? Prey, mm -hmm. and then Hellraiser, and now and now this. And I feel like there was something else that also uh, went straight to Hulu that we were kind of like scratching our head about. Um, but I can't remember what that is right I now, and I don't want to Google yeah. it. <laughs> but it's just strange that you wouldn't want to release an alien film theatrically, because alien films make money. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't understand the philosophy behind this. I mean, maybe it'll be a situation where it gets enough buzz, they'll probably do like a one weekend theatrical release for it. What, but what the hell does that do us any I don't good? Know. Like, <laughs> The Alien TV series is also going to be on Hulu as well, so that's... And, I, don't, I don't know. And that's a separate thing. It, completely. Huh. Alright. I mean, it's such a shame. Like, I loved Prey, and it deserved a theatrical release. It would have been so much better on the big screen. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like these, like, established, like, franchises, like, they deserve, you know, theatrical releases. You know, especially if you've got, like, you know good creative people behind them like i understand mm -hmm. it if it's just uh you know like trying to keep the you know the rights to something um which we've seen in the past um you know happen with some of these like you know established franchises where you know we've got the rights to this we could lose them we gotta put something out there to put something out there hell that's happened with hellraiser right um exactly. but i don't know like <laughs> what's the point of this yeah, I don't, we, we don't know the analytics. Maybe it does huge numbers for them streaming-wise, but I, I would love to, like, know the behind-the-scenes reason why, you mm. know, they're choosing this kind of, like, release strategy. Yeah, because I do wonder if it's, like, do we need to drive people to our service more, if that's what they're trying to do, but I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about who, like, struggling number-wise, mm. though, so I don't know. Oh, and, you know, after... Texas Chainsaw and uh, Don't Breathe 2. I'm a little little iffy with Fetty Alvarez doing an alien project. Yeah, I mean, because I swear to God, we heard that he was directing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then, uh -huh. then it turned into him just being, like, the executive producer, and that film was the shit, Christian. <laughs> so I'm... <laughs> I'm definitely well, at a least little... fun to watch. No. No. <laughs> So I'm a little skittish now when it comes uh -huh. to, you know, Alvarez and some of the choices he's been making lately. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I'm willing to give him a chance because he, he had a, a decent track record before. I don't know. He wrote De Don't Breathe 2 and that was awful. <laughs> did he direct it? No, he didn't direct, but he did write the script. Okay. okay. Yeah, I feel like he had a hand in the uh, script for Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. also, but I could be wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch his name. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, last but not least, it looks like upcoming film A Quiet Place Day One might have casted another leading role. Deadline got an exclusive this week about Stranger Things' Eddie Munson, as played by Joseph Quinn, getting to star alongside Lupita Nyong'o in Paramount's A Quiet Place Day One, which is currently set for a March 8th, 2024 release, with director Michael Saranowski signed on for it. Christian, it's Eddie Munson's world and we're just living in it. But pretty much. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to be seeing this guy pop up everywhere. 
the next like over the next couple of years so um I, i'm guessing this is going to be the first of many like leading roles mm. this dude's gonna get so he's definitely the like the hollywood like it boy right now and rightfully so i mean he was fantastic in stranger things so i'm sure it's only a matter of time before like star wars or you know the mcu get their hands on him also and now for the nerds review of black panther wakanda forever warning minor spoilers for the film ahead and now, our feature presentation. His people. They don't call him General or King. They called him Kukul Khan. The Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. He's coming. For the surface world. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Wakanda Forever is directed by Ryan Coogler and stars Letitia Wright. As far as sequels go in the MCU, this was definitely one of the strongest with Ryan Coogler, you know, taking on the challenge of telling a story about mourning in the wake of Chadwick Boseman's passing. We see as a family of warriors are riddled with all the stages of grief across both Shuri and her mother, along with the people of Wakanda, as the world around them is moving forward, even though they are still paused by their king's passing. And clearly being the protectors of the world's most valuable resource continues to be a struggle as world leaders do everything everything in their power to either steal from Wakanda or find another deposit of vibranium on Earth. But when America goes searching in the depths for vibranium, they find more than what they bargained for as they come across Namor and the Talakanil, which I hope is how you pronounce their people's names. Anyway, there are people born from ingesting a mysterious herb that force them into living in the seas. Without spoiling the story too much here, the discovery of more vibranium on Earth begins a whole new conflict for Wakanda as they're faced with either fighting Namor and his people or joining him in his fight against the world. Namor as played by Tenoch Huerta while being a little bit more evil-minded than Killmonger, still fits in that realm of Grey where he's not necessarily a maniacal villain, just one looking for vengeance and prosecution in the wrong places. The performance, for me, lived up to what we got from Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Plus, I felt the addition of the you know, Mesoamerican you know, roots added to his character and were ultimately a welcome change from the comics, which it also added to some cool design changes for the character, even though he did still look pretty much like his comic book counterpart. This change also allowed them to add some cool parallels between you know his people and the Wakandans. Letitia Wright's performance as Shuri definitely you know takes a darker tone as she deals with her grief, but continue to still have some of that same spirit from what we saw in the first film. However, her storyline this time around, you know, for me, could have been a little bit longer or had a little bit more room to breathe, as some of the decisions the character makes throughout it, you know, aren't ones that she wrestles with too much. While I understand, you know, her loss is causing her to spiral, the payoff in the end felt a bit rushed because I didn't buy her clarity by the end of their conflict. Nevertheless, you know, she still held her own as as far as being one of the more focused on characters in this tale. She's become a vital part of the backbone to Wakanda. Okoye and Ironheart got some really great moments, but both of them were more reactionary characters to the story than having their own actual arc. 
But either way, both are set on paths right now with Riri getting her own series soon and Okoye rumored to have either a show or special in the works as well. And then there's Angela Bassett who stole every scene she was in where she got more time in this film compared to the first one. Um, Queen Energy is there on full display as she tackled ruling Wakanda and controlling her daughter's angst amidst their shared loss. The only other negative I had for this film in general was some of the design choices made that while are still very accurate to the comics, didn't really match up too well with the CGI effects that were in the film. Sometimes things just looked a little too plasticky. This to me was most apparent in Ironheart's armor in the film. While we do witness her, you know, forming it out of steel, the finished look did not really reflect that metal style, at least to the degree of Iron Man's first few armors and how they were able to pull those off in CGI. But as she wasn't the main focus of the story and was used very sparingly, perhaps the, you know, look came out that way because of time and budget constraints. All in all, I still left the theater happy with, you know, Marvel's universe continuously expanding and all the possibilities that these new characters can bring to this already established universe. And as far as an ending to this phase, I think they made the right decision as, you know, we're about to get pretty wonky moving forward as we get closer to Secret Wars. It, you know, this was a much more grounded story and it was definitely what was needed to close things off in that fourth phase. So for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I'm going to give it a B plus. All right, it's that time again. Let's break down episode 11 of Star Wars Andor. Warning, spoiler alert. Major spoilers for Andor ahead. You have been warned. All of your sources. Try to concentrate. Someone with Krieger? Someone at ISB? Maybe there's someone here with me. You're wasting time. Why wouldn't you? You're avoiding the choice. Who is it? Who is it? It's tubes. It's my man. He tells me everything. Tell him he deserves to know. What is this? What kind of game is this? If last week's episode didn't, you know, end sad enough for you, this week, after getting a glimpse of Andor and Melshi dodging Imperial Starcraft patrols, we find out that Mama Marva died on Ferrix as the town folk, including uh, the daughters of Ferrix, move her body from her home, with a crowd amassing around them. Inside the house, however, B2 struggles to accept Marva's passing as Brasso tries to find a way to comfort this now lost droid. Yeah, this is heartbreaking. This droid is like putting on one hell of a performance. Like whoever's voicing this droid. Because <laughs> I really felt it's like sadness. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but I shouldn't be surprised though because they pull this off with, you know, R2, you know, with a couple like bells and whistles all the time. So um, what I was surprised with was with Marva like dying off screen. I was just kind of expecting like a big dramatic moment for her. Um but I mean, this made it almost feel more real somehow. Um, you could tell like the entire like town is in mourning over mm. her passing. It, it really goes to show you like how tight this town really is, which I definitely feel like it's going to come into play, you know, in, in next episode, which we'll talk about soon enough. My thoughts on B2 were... Like, why is he so, you know, I know it's an older model and all, but I mean, R2 and C-3PO were built during the Phantom Menace and they were taken care of long enough to still at least seem like fully functioning droids past B2's lifespan. So I was just wondering why they never just 
fix the fucking droid. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know anything about droid mechanics, Christian. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is just a ch- uh, like a cheaper droid. I don't know. Like maybe R two and like C three PO are like Teslas and like you know emo whatever B two emo is isn't it isn't that its name <laughs> yeah. right? It's <laughs> maybe like it's like the Ultima of droids, you know? Sure, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure there's different like quality of droids, right? Not all droids are created equal, Christian, in, in Star Wars apparently. I love that. That's what you got out of this scene, though. <laughs> I felt for Barba, don't get me uh, wrong, but I, I was thinking about the droid more. Like, what the fuck is up with this droid? Why doesn't he be charged all the goddamn time? Watching on in this moment is Cinta and the ISB agent who were watching last week. In the tavern that Cinta seems to be working at, the ISB agent, you know, asked Cinta if she knew Marva at all. While Cinta exclaimed that, you know, she had no idea who that is, I still get the vibe that this ISB agent may have clocked Cinta watching Marva's home in the past week's episode. Yeah, Cinta's totally gonna cut this guy's throat. <laughs> I'm sure that's happening at next some episode. Point, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's sitting there watching this dude, watching Marva, watching her. Like, yeah, no. She's cutting this guy's throat. With Marva's popularity, it seems the people of Ferrix want to, you know, do a big send-off in her honor. Apparently, the tradition for the people on Ferrix is to, you know, have their remains turned into bricks to help build up the foundation for the future. With the amount of people that want to attend Marva's funeral, the ISB is receiving requests to use uh, one of the major roads for the procession. Dedra Miro tells the team on Ferrix, you know, go ahead with all of this as she wants to, you know, box in the people of Ferrix along with a potential Andor visit to observe, you know, what they all do. Yeah, Andor is such an impulsive character that this is totally going to work. Mm-hmm. Like they're totally going to be able to smoke him out. I'm sure, you know, that this is where the climax of the series is is headed. I don't think Miro's prepared though for like the backlash of the community if something does go down during Marva's memorial service. But it's going to be like poetic if that does happen. Mm -hmm. She's going to catch those hands. (laughs) Absolutely, Christian. Or catch a Marva brick to the side of the head. (laughs) Now that's true vengeance. Ah, right. You want to talk about poetry? Also on Ferrix, we return to Bix, who has apparently been continuously, you know, interrogated by ISB agents. While she seems completely broken by their previous torture sessions, she's asked about Anto Krieger, who they think could possibly be Axis at this point. She surprisingly doesn't answer right away with, you know, the threat of hearing more dead children wailing still in the balance here. I mean, you have to admire her resolve at Mm -hmm. this point. Because it, it, she looks like death, like they've been torturing her nonstop since the last time we saw her. When they first like pulled her out of her cell, like I was like, oh my god, they broke her. But now, like she resisted, like caving. At least it seemed like in that scene, right? Mm-hmm. I know they cut away, like you know, while they're asking her, like if she can identify, uh, you know, Krieger here. But yeah, it feels like she's resisting still. I was almost ex- expecting her to just immediately, you know, lie and say, yes, that is him, just to cover both Andor and Luther. She might feel like that's a can of worms, though, if she starts answering their questions. So 
Maybe she just, you know, figures I'm going to get tortured anyway, so I better just keep my mouth shut. Meanwhile, Andor seems to get himself in a spot of trouble when he and Melshi, you know, try to steal a quad jumper from some Coretians fishing nearby. Trapped in some kind of gelled netting, um, Andor pleads for his life as the two Coretians uh, sarcastically blame them instead of the Empire for polluting their waters. But since it was all in good fun, I guess, uh, they let them go. Honestly, this was a scene I had to rewatch a couple times as my ears could barely understand a word they were saying. No, I agree. It really needed subtitles because yeah. I also rewound. <laughs> it was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but it was a fun scene, you know, nevertheless. It was cool seeing aliens again, right? Because yes. it's been a couple episodes. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this is a Star Wars show. At Luthen's shop on Coruscant, Clea gets an unplanned visit from Vel, who seems desperate to reach Luthen. Seeming frustrated by her efforts going unrecognized, Vel flaunts that you know she delivered Aldani to the Rebellion, and questions Clea's usefulness, in which Clea reminds her just how important her own position is handling the squabbles of multiple agents for the Rebellion like her. Vel deciding to deal with not being able to see Luthen tells Clea of Marva's passing as now they predict that Andor may come for the funeral. I mean, Vel needs to tread lightly, especially with Clea, because Clea seems just as invested in the rebellion as Luthen. So I could see her thinking that Vel is disposable, especially if she's going to be all willy-nilly with the rules. Because mm -hmm. um, you could tell she was slowly getting underneath her skin, you know, when Vel was just kind of like openly talking about, you know, everything that's been going down. I mean, you could really like feel the friction between these two. Let me just show you to the back real quick. We got a nice collection and then, you know, uh -huh, right. slit. some ancient <laughs> lightsaber or something. Uh-huh. Because I'm sure in like Clea's eyes, it would just be one less loose end. Later on, Vel visits Mon Mothma and her daughter once more as both Vel and Mon watch on as Lita takes part in this like Cendrillion fundamentalist group that's all about Cendrillion customs as they continuously chant about the old ways together in you know, Mon Mothma's house, which only horrifies her mother and Vel together. Uh, this, on top of her current money troubles, leads Mon to spilling her problems out to Vel, explaining what went, you know, wrong with her banking situation. When Vel asks if there's any solution, you know, possible as to, you know, not expose the rebellion, Mon Mothma looks to her daughter once more as she contemplates Davos's, you know, request. I mean, as awful as it sounds, like if, you know, uh, Mon Mothma's daughter is all about like the old ways is she going to have an issue if you know Ma Mothma like introduces her to a possible like arranged like marriage doesn't seem like it that was my first thought I was like okay then she might be actually down with an arranged marriage if she's all about you know the Cendrillion ways yeah yeah I mean I could see you know the moral dilemma obviously Ma mm -hmm. Mothma has with all of this um, especially since she seems to be in like a loveless marriage, you know, wanting better for her child. But I could see her daughter's newfound devotion to, you know, this like fundamentalist like religion um, kind of swaying her into like making, you know, that awful choice. It's for the betterment of the realm, you know? Sure. <laughs> Further down on Coruscant, Cyril Karn gets a call from Linus Mosk, who was, you know, Karn's right-hand man during their arrest attempt back in episode three. Linus 
while cutting in and out due to him calling while at work for some reason, um, explains he still has contacts within Ferrix as he learned of Marva's death, which makes him think that Andor could possibly show up at the funeral. While Karn's mother is displeased by the racket from the, you know this phone call, Karn actually sets out the next day by stealing her credits from her safe and presumably buying a one-way ticket to Ferrix. I'm having deja vu again. Karn's gonna show up during that funeral and totally like screw up the Empire, like capturing Cassian somehow. And Miro's just gonna turn and like just blast him. <laughs> the dude is just like the ultimate loser. I'm afraid it's gonna be the other way around. I'm afraid Karn's gonna accidentally or purposely kill Miro in like a heat of passion as she gets in his way oh. of trying to get to Andor. That'd be a twist. Um, an unfortunate one, because I don't know if I could uh -huh. bear dealing with this dude for another season. So, <laughs> I mean, do we see any scenario where he ends up like aiding, you know, the Empire and they, you know, they end up like enlisting him? I, I still feel like his future is with the Empire. He just seems like the right type of mind for them. But, you know, I don't know if he's just too wild. We then catch up with Luthen, who is meeting up with Saw Gerrera as Saw Gerrera has finally agreed to help with Anto Krieger's plan to attack the Imperial Power Station. However, Luthen attempts to steer Saw away from this as he knows that Krieger's plan has been discovered by the ISB. This knowledge, of course, sends Saw into a spiral, knowing now how far Luthen is willing to go in sacrificing others for the rebellion. But Luthen uses that paranoia to make a point and clear Saw's head a little bit, as they both agree the loss of Krieger could be for the greater good. But you still never know with a loose cannon like Saw Guerrero what he might actually do. Oh my god, he's gonna totally throw all of his men into that Mind Flayers uh, beast's uh, little cage from uh, <laughs> Rogue One. You know, what they what he uses to interrogate like people uh -huh. and shit. Like after uh, Luthen names two tubes. I was like, oh yes. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talk about a fucking can of worms. Like, he's gonna go off the deep end with that information. Um, he already doesn't trust anyone, so mm -hmm. Luthen is a shrewd leader here. Like, he really had to make this decision, like, you know, on the fly, whether or mm -hmm. not, you know, he just sacrifices um, Saw or if he can trust telling Saw the truth about the situation. He must have known, like, what kind of issues this would cause Saw mentally. <laughs> because you would think if he was dealing with someone who was more stable, um, that person would probably, you know, you know, pull a blaster out on Luthen. But knowing Saw, you know, and how unpredictable he is, he probably felt like he could play the odds. Um, you know, and he played them wisely, I guess. I don't know. There's still a chance that Luthen bit off more than he can chew in this situation. Do you think Saw goes against what he tells Luthen? and warns uh, Krieger. I feel like Saul's the type of guy that lets Krieger still die and then kills the ISB agents that kill all of them, you know? <laughs> like, that's the kind of wild card he like, is. Yeah, he lets Krieger die, but he still shows their hands. Uh -huh. and <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, I'm hoping we get, like, more Forrest Whitaker 
in the second season because I, I just love his performance as Saw. Mm -hmm. Heading out from Saw's, Luthen then gets contact from Clea. While they talk in codes, Luthen claims his meeting with Saw went well, but he's still worried about the Andor situation, which Clea clearly tries to, you know, get Luthen to forget about it and let her handle that situation altogether. But Luthen clearly wants to, you know, personally take care of it, which again plays into the idea that he isn't aware of Clea's, you know, hit placed on Andor. Either way, Luthen's conversation was interrupted when a Cantwell-class Star Destroyer intercepts his ship on patrol. This ship was one of the original designs for a Star Destroyer in Star Wars. Nevertheless, its tractor beam was no match for James Bond in space, as Luthen's ship is just decked out with every countermeasure possible that allows him to actually cut through some TIE fighters and escape the massive tractor this beam. This motherfucker has, like, spaceship lightsabers. Yeah! What? <laughs> Why haven't we seen this before, Christian? I have no you would idea. Think every fucking ship would have these bad boys attached to them. Imagine Poe Dameron here, with that. You're sitting here bitching to me about droids. <laughs> you're not bumping up against this? The fact that, like, Luthen's the only guy who has fucking lightsabers for a spaceship? I don't know. He continues to be the most badass Star Wars character in history, so I don't know. This was a pretty awesome scene. <laughs> And he's like an awesome pilot on top of it. Mm -hmm. Like, my God, no, I thought because I, I thought he was done for. I was like, oh, no, they captured him. Like, what does that mean for the show? How is he going to get out or does he even get out? Um, but this was amazing. Like, you don't fuck with Luthen, apparently. I don't know. There was just so many death flags during that conversation with Clea that I'm like, OK, maybe after this badass moment, he's going to die next episode, you know? Yeah, I mean, 100%, I feel like Luthen is going to head to Marva's, you know, funeral. Um, and I I do still believe he's trying to recruit Cassian to the cause where, you know, I could see Clea acting on her own and seeing Cassian as a loose end and as a threat to mm -hmm. what they're trying to do. Um, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, also, did when he goes to um, visit Saw, doesn't it look like he has a lightsaber? Yeah, he had some type of staff. It's like some and kind I know of a lot hilt, of people are, right? Yeah, a lot of people are speculating it could be a lightsaber. I don't know. I mean, he has a lot of artifacts, and it would make sense if he's force sensitive to be able to do the things yeah, he's been I mean, able to do. I don't do. know if he's force sensitive, but I could see him rocking a lightsaber just as like a last line of defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, his spaceship has them, so. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if he was a Sith this whole time? Well, like he that, was like, well, that's <laughs> that'd be too much of a twist. I don't know, man. <laughs> so you think the rebellion form, like the main force of everything good in <laughs> this entire series of films and, you know, shows all on the back of jealousy from another Sith. I'm that's just saying it's a story <laughs> about, you know, things being in the gray. I mean, that'd right? be pretty fucked up, Christian. <laughs> you never know. Everything is possible. Uh-huh. I, I mean, they love that full circle shit, you know, so uh -huh. maybe, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> be a hell of a twist, though. Uh-huh. 
the episode would close out with one more person learning of Marva's death. Andor makes a call home to check in on Marva and let her know that he is okay after making his way back to Neamos, where he actually left all of his stuff. You know, he had his blaster there, his credits from the Aldani job, and Nemec's manifesto. Unfortunately, the call goes south for Andor when, you know, the comms operator lets him know that Marva has died and there will be a funeral for her. Andor walks away from the phone to, you know, talk with Melshi, who brings up their time on Narcana 5, saying that he wants to, you know, spread the word of what's going on in these Imperial prisons. This leads to the two deciding to go their separate ways in order to better spread the truth. Andor does not give a shit about spreading the truth at this point. Like no. He's going to <laughs> say goodbye to his mom, and I'm sure that's why he didn't say anything you know, to him about exactly what just happened, because he would show his hand like he's going mm. back, you know, pretty much into a trap. Um, but, you know, and I think he knows that, but he doesn't give a shit. Why did no one take his stuff out of that shower they might not have seen it it's hidden it on wasn't top. high up it's barely on top wow. it's it's eye level you don't man. know how short the creatures are that are looking <laughs> there man come on it was an eye level he had to like get out okay something. he had to prop up something but still someone should have been cleaning that room after he left once and, again you know once again christian <laughs> spaceship lightsabers didn't bother you but the placement of the suitcase is what you're bumping up against I think it would have been funnier if all the credits and his gun were gone, but the uh, but the manifesto Christian, was still there. this isn't a fucking comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I thought this was a pretty strong episode, um, and it did a great job of really setting us up for the finale. Uh, you know, which I can't believe is a week away. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, there's no way you don't know <laughs> where this is going. Oh, absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and they're kind of doing the trope that we've complained about before where, you know, all our chess pieces are going to end up, you know, back together in the same place. Yes. But, you know, it's wrapped up in great storytelling. So once again, we're going to forgive it. All it takes is good writing and we can, we'll no. let shit go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a one hell of an explosive episode, though, so I'm looking forward. So make sure to join us next week as we break down episode 12, the finale of Star Wars Andor. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey, you got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high oh, and tight. Yeah. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. 
deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Well, it's holiday season whether we want to admit it or not, and Black Friday is coming in fast. Though, if you were hoping for some major deals as far as gaming consoles were concerned, uh, this year you might be slightly underwhelmed. Currently, the PS5 is being restocked for the season, but no big deals are out there outside of, you know, $20 or so being shaved off for the peripherals. Um, games like Horizon Forbidden West are near, you know, 50% off physically and digitally, but you're still going to have to drop 500 plus for the console if you want to pick it up this year. Xbox is offering a holiday edition for the Series S at a $240 price point, you know, $60 under its normal cost. The Nintendo Switch will also have a holiday bundle available at around $300, which includes Mario Kart 8, and will be available on the 20th through next week. This is only about $40 under the regular price, though. I'm sure, as always, stores can possibly do even bigger deals day of, but right now it's not looking like you're going to save a whole lot on a console this year. Those possibly building gaming PCs could save anywhere up to $700 on graphics cards and pre-built systems, but the next generation of graphics cards are currently on the way. Let us know if you're going to be shopping for tech this upcoming Friday on your favorite social media platforms. That's at Amazing Nerd Show. For me, I know I'm pretty interested in getting that Horizon Forbidden West deal before I stream it for all of you guys on Twitch. Currently, we're playing through God of War Ragnarok and intend on getting into Forbidden West soon, along with the upcoming Callisto Protocol in December. So make sure to stop by, say hi, and drop a follow to keep up with all the Amazing Nerd Show live content on Twitch. But anyway, let's move on to wrestling. Now I heard you, John, I heard you last week when you said I'm not the devil. <laughs> That's classic. John, maybe I haven't been listening very well, so allow me to tell you the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. And this Saturday at Full Gear, you are going to find out that I am the devil himself because my name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Well, Christian, as this episode drops, we're literally mere hours away from AEW's Full Gear. But we're Eric and Pricks, and we want our predictions on records. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and preview the card, even though it's only going to be really worth anything for, you know, the next, what, like 10 hours or so. Hey, we're we're two of the best fantasy bookers out there, so we might as well get our thoughts out. There. I don't know, you know about saying? that, but OK. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I, along with Moxley, totally forgot that the pay-per-view was actually on Saturday yes. this weekend. So. <laughs> Only Moxley could, like, just get away with that, and it'd be totally uh -huh. fine. Uh, horrible crowd tonight. Horrible. I just want to mm -hmm. say that before we move on. <laughs> We're recording this on Wednesday right after Dynamite. Just awful. Where were they? Bridgeport? 
Uh, something yeah, like I, that. I, I don't remember. Well, just wherever I think it was Bridgeport. Tony Khan needs to make sure that he just crosses that town like, exactly. off the books forever. And if you're living there now, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you, Bridgeport. <laughs> it really, I really felt like it downgraded like dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like the crowd was just sitting on their hands. You know, I didn't love the way they booked like the main events, like the promo between like MJF and Moxley, but like the, the it sounded like the silence actually like shook them both a little. Like they felt like thrown off. Um, you know, so it, it's just weird because like I felt like the crowd was like with it like for the first couple of matches and then they just lost them somehow. So and it wasn't like due to lack of trying because I felt like the show was decent. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it was, but it was weird. I, like, I couldn't tell, like, is there only like a hundred fans in the audience? Like, it felt <laughs> like a pandemic show to me almost at times. So, and it, it, you know, at watching the after uh, clip, you know, I, MJF did like a promo in the ring. It did look like a smaller, like, arena. So okay. maybe that had to do with it, but I don't know, man. It, it, it wasn't good. Regardless, so it felt like a raw crowd, honestly. <laughs> you know, like a raw crowd from like a couple years back. Uh-huh. So, uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and let's get into this card. I mean, there's what ten matches, like yes, official ten matches for this four hour show, officially <laughs> announced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a couple more like plugged in after Rampage, which airs on Friday. But I don't know if they're shooting that live or if that's going to happen after dynamite tonight but i think they're doing it live but okay okay i hope so i hope it's in a different venue the fuck away <laughs> from bridgeport so. yeah uh first we have darby allen and sting versus jeff jarrett and jay lethal and of course we don't know the match order we're just kind of reading off the you yes. know what matches we know are happening on the card um so i'm gonna go ahead and say that it's going to be jarrett and lethal that get the win here Um, since, you know, they're kind of a newly formed faction with the addition of, you know, Jarrett, um, you know, and maybe this will possibly be a program that goes maybe a month or two, or at least to winter's coming, um, you know, which I think is like, what, like a couple weeks away after this pay-per-view. So I I feel like they're going to like extend this a little because, you know, it seems like they've got some story in mind between Jarrett and Sting since they have long history together um but who knows you know maybe this is a one or done thing too because i god knows i don't need you know tons of jeff jarrett on my tv either exactly i'm hoping for a one and done so that's why i'm gonna put darby allen and sting to win (laughs) but now that you're mentioning winter is coming i can totally see them stretching it out to that double j's not doing it for you no not at all (laughs) He, he rarely ever has though so it's 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 just me. I'm not a big Jeff Jericho. Yeah, I've got a soft spot for him. Uh, you know, I think I just more respect everything he's done for wrestling. You know, I've never been a fan of his ring work, if you will. But, mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate those like, you know, early TNA years. So and all the great wrestlers he introduced me to. So I was. Yeah, I've got a, no respect. Yeah, so. <laughs> I give him a, I give him a little pass. So, uh, uh, all right. So, yeah, no, I'm going to say Jarrett and Lethal go over here. Um, and you know, this, this little feud continues, uh, up next, we have Soraya versus Britt Baker, Soraya making her big return to wrestling. 
yeah, Britt came out tonight and cut a fantastic promo. My only issue was that it was a 100% like full babyface promo, uh, which was kind of my issue last week. But I feel like tonight's was even worse. Like she was like full on like rallying like AEW's like longtime fans and everything, mm. you know, going down her accomplishments, talking about how Soraya kind of disrespected her and AEW. Um, I don't see the positives for Soraya in this kind of promo. Like, I feel like you're setting her up for failure if you're wanting to book Soraya as a babyface. Now, maybe that's not the case here. Maybe they want Soraya to kind of walk that, you know, fine line, or maybe they want Soraya to be a heel. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're trying to, like, parody the punk situation <laughs> after the press conference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it just feels weird and off to me. Um, last week's, you know, back and forth with Soraya, you know, kind of big-timing Brits. Like, I could see why people would feel that way with her talking about, like, you know, I've main-evented, you know, Madison Square Garden. And, you know, she said the Tokyo Dome, even though that's not true. It's like, <laughs> it, she's, I guess she meant Sumo Hall, um, you know, and just kind of talking about, like, did she even met did she mention WrestleMania? No, she didn't say WrestleMania. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> um, but... Like, you don't want to be coming into a new company and act like where you came from was better. Mm. Um, you know, like you're the, you know, now the big fish in the little pond. And that's, I, I feel like that's kind of the way her promo came off. Um, but at the same time, like as, you know, the supposed heel, you also don't want to be rallying your, you know, long time, you know, legion of like hardcore AEW fans you know, behind you by bringing up how, like, you're, you know, been here since day one, and you're the foundation of AEW, blah, blah, blah. Like, that definitely buries, you know, whoever you're going up against. Mm -hmm. So, it's just a weird dynamic, and I don't know exactly what they're going for here. Unless they, you know, want to, you know, have Saria come off as that, like, you know, outsider kind of character um, who thinks they're too good for AEW. Like, perhaps that's what they're going for. And maybe, you know, Brit is turning babyface. Um, that just feels like a mistake, though. Like, I don't get it. So I'll let it all play out. I mean, <laughs> Tony, I guess, deserves that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head right now when it comes to this, you know, whole feud. Like, I feel like Saray is going over 100% of her comeback mm -hmm. match and everything like that. It's just, it's going to be, if they are trying to turn her heel, like, I feel like it's going to be so difficult to do it in this sort of match. Like, her coming back from such a serious injury, you know, she's going to naturally be, like, emotional during the match, you know, and she's going to be possibly facing down a, an audience who hates her, <laughs> which is weird. It's just a weird choice to make. I feel like New Jersey is willing to cheer both sides either way, as we've seen in the past. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. So, like, I, they were 100% behind MJF, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I, we'll see. Like, Britt laid it on thick tonight. So, I, I don't know. I mean, 
if they wanted to turn her heel, it could be a moment where just Soraya just beats the ever-living hell out of Brit in the ring and then just walks off. And you know, that just becomes her storyline where she's just going through all the AEW women and just destroying That's them. That's going to turn her face, though. If she's just beating the shit out of people and laying them, you know, let them <laughs> you pull blood. Loaf, like, That's going to turn her, yeah, no. She's going to have to <laughs> cheat to win, you know, uh-huh. if, if, they're, if they want to turn her heel. She's going to have to do something dastardly, uh-huh. you know, for to get the crowd to completely turn against her, especially against Brett. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Because honestly, at this point, I'm totally flabbergasted. I have no idea what direction they're going in. Well, then this next match will be an easier one for you with the steel cage match between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy. He's going to go over here. I, I think it's pretty it cut took, and dry. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, he lost to Luchasaurus once last pay-per-view, right? You think they'll just keep it 50-50? They'll just keep going back and forth? Because I feel like this isn't over. No, even with I, the think steel cage. I think they move on from here. I think they'll move on here, move on from here, put some distance between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy for a little bit. You know, Christian will probably go off and, you know, mend his wounds. Um, and then Jungle Boy can, you know, have himself, you know, a little like single run. Um, before Christian, you know, returns, like maybe Jungle Boy gets like a big title match in a couple months, and then like Christian comes out and costs him the match, and they can kind of rekindle that feud once Christian is like fully healthy. Maybe uh, Jungle Boy versus whoever's the TNT champion, yeah. in the future, yeah, they'll, they'll do something like that, yeah. But it's time to move on. I agree. I I want this to end here, but I I have a weird feeling that Luchasaurus is going to win, so I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Uh, Up next, we have the TNT Championship match between Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Samoa Joe, who just got added to the match this week. I thought their segment tonight was fantastic. Um, You know, I I felt like everyone got a chance to shine. Um, I thought they did a great job of establishing that, you know, this isn't some kind of, like, you know, plan between like Hobbs and Joe to take out Wardlow, um, that these are, you know, just two very different men that just happen to have, you know, issues with the same person. I thought Wardlow got a chance to really shine here. Like I keep on forgetting like everything that he can do in the ring, which is pretty fucking astounding. Like he almost overshot that group of people on the outside when he took took that dive. Uh-huh. I was pretty fucking impressive <laughs> for a man that size to move like that. And like so fluidly, um, you know, there's no hesitation whatsoever with his first step. Uh, he's pretty impressive. I'm really looking forward to this match. Now, do we know, is this just for the TNT title? Yes, it is only for the TNT title. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if like both belts were on the line. So my guess is Wardlow actually loses the belt. Uh, by not getting pinned, like it's going to be either Joe, you know, pinning Hobbs or Hobbs pinning Joe. I'm going to say Hobbs pins Joe um, here and Wardlow loses his belt. Um, and that way he's got issues with like both guys still. Um, but you get Hobbs, you know, with the TNT title, you know, he's able to go on a nice little run, um, you know, and then maybe you have like Wardlow facing off against uh, Joe on, uh, you know, the next ROH pay-per-view, which is, you know, only what, like weeks away, honestly, right? Um, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe he'll like, you know, go after Joe's like TV title, you know, to replace his TNT belt. 
I also like the idea of like Hobbs having a right for that title as well, because that will keep the feud going between all three. Oh, of them you want way. it to keep like a three way feud to continue? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want Hobbs to distance himself so he can go on a nice little run and just establish himself as like just this monster heel. Because hmm. I could see Starks like circling back and feuding with Hobbs over that belt. You know, and like, you know, continuing that program because I feel like there was still meat on the bone there. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I could see like, you know, Hobbs still surpassing whoever he goes up against and maybe Jungle Boy being the one to like take that title off of him in the future. Yeah, I could see that eventually. I don't want that anytime soon. Like I want Hobbs to get a decent run. But yeah, I could see that happening. The one thing's for certain, though, is like I want them to really like build up that Team T title again. Because I feel like the shine is completely like dulled, you know, like they really need to like build up and establish that division. Like it really should be like the upper mid card belt, um, which it, it just hasn't even with Wardlow carrying it. It just hasn't felt that way, um, you know, recently, like it's been almost like an afterthought. Like I want to see it like defended a couple times a month, if not weekly again. Yes. Um you know, and I want to see like a lot of these like kind of like bigger names going for that belt and getting runs now. They really need to like invest in like revitalizing, you know, what that belt means to the company. Um, because I feel like it's gonna make for a better product as a whole in the long run. Well, up next we have the TBS championship match between Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't like the buy-in match. Honestly, oh, yeah. <laughs> like I this this whole storyline with Nyla, you know, stealing the belt has done nothing for me. Um, mm. I'm happy that Nyla is getting some screen time, but I just wish it was you know better booked. Um, it should be. God, I thought you were going to say Nyla was going to win. No, <laughs> no. Like I think the match will be competitive, but you know, Jade. I feel like Jade isn't going to lose until she hits that fifty mark. Like mm-hmm. I don't know where uh, Jade is win streak wise, but I don't feel like like she's going to lose until she's over fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guess I, I'm hoping that when she hits fifty, like she gets like a world title match or something like that. You know and you know, possibly become like a double champion. Um, but, you know, that all depends on who's holding that belt at the time. But I mean, this is pretty cut and dry. Yes. She's going to win. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And next we have the Trios Tag Team Championship match, which is officially going to be Death Triangle versus the Elite. So while I definitely miss the Elite, um, I don't know, the the whole segment where they reintroduced them felt flat to me. Um, like there was two ways that they could have gone, you know, that I felt like made sense. And they kind of chose this weird, like middle road that I don't know, just didn't work. Um, you know, like just me for me, like either like you have them come out tonight, you know, and jump like death triangle or challenge death triangle, or you keep it like the world's worst secret. You know, where, like, you know they're showing up on the card. You know they're probably going to challenge against Death Triangle. You know, you could even do the graphic with, like, you know, Death Triangle versus question mark, question mark, question mark. Like, that's fine. Uh You know, everyone knows it's them. 
but like this weird half-ass like you know like you know pack is out there you know addressing them but not addressing them but then he sees the graphic and then he addresses them as like <laughs> why do you not feel comfortable addressing them like you're like we know uh, what's going on here we know who's behind all this and then he sees the graphic and then he can say their name all of a sudden I was like, what, what, what's happening? <laughs> it was very odd. <laughs> it was just very clunky and awkward for no reason. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It, Could have just made it an open challenge yes, and then they would have showed say, up. Yes, death, death Triangle's having an open challenge for the trio's titles at Full Gear. That's it. You know, and you could have done that two weeks ago. You know, mm. and then everyone would have known what was happening and it just would be fun to be a little buzz, you know, whatever. Um, or just have them show up. Right, and attack death triangle. That's fine too, but yeah, like I understand wanting to keep them off screen until the pay per view. You know, hoping to like squeeze some extra pay per view buys out of people. Um, but this wasn't it. Like this wasn't the way yeah. to go. So it it just it, I don't know. It didn't work. So it is what it is. Um, the Lico over here. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know if death triangle implodes um you know they haven't been on the same page lately pac has been cheating a lot although we didn't see that uh on tonight's uh, show this week, yeah. um but maybe that's the case you know during the pay-per-view like you know pack pulls out his little hammer you know and you know the lucha brothers protest and it ends up costing them and you know then they could you know break up or do whatever they plan on doing um i'll be curious to see if the elite get any mic time if they address the situation um aew is doing a scrum again <laughs> after the pay-per-view so that could definitely be a volatile situation um you know, or at least interesting. Uh, I could see them just playing it up as their characters in the moment rather than making it too, you know, real. I feel like they have <laughs> to address it to a certain extent, you know. Um, I just, I feel it's such a weird choice that, like, I don't know if it was a legal matter or whatever, but it's just when you don't address things, you know, especially like with injuries and stuff, and AEW does this where they just, you know, people disappear for mm. weeks or months and they don't say anything and then we find out later on that that person's been injured like when you don't like address things it feels like you're doing a disservice to your fans and like why should i get invested in these characters if they're just going to disappear from tv for months like we know where the elite went but like more casual mm -hmm. AEW fans might have no clue all of a sudden, they were on the pay-per-view, winning the titles, and then they're just gone. You know? It, it, it feels a little weird. So, like, I feel like they need to say something, like some kind of explanation. And it feels like the promos that they've been, you know, building everything up with are definitely, like, you know, trying to lead to something of that sort. Um, you know, whether or not it's going to be them coming, you know, back on TV with a chip on their shoulder or whatnot um but i you know with those promos it definitely feels like it's going to be addressed somehow you know whether or not it's half in character who knows so like i don't feel like they're going to pull a cm punk or anything like that uh -huh. but i feel like we're going to get some fun comments at least um you know 
But yeah, it should be interesting regardless. Either way, it's you know two of my favorite teams getting to wrestle more, so I'm, I'm excited to see. No, absolutely, hundred um, percent. I'm also wondering if uh, we don't get an appearance from like House of Black. You know, do we get someone mm. come out and challenge the elite right away? Um, you know, House of Black have been teased over the last like two or three weeks with their own video packages, um, and we haven't heard anything about Adam Cole and his status. Um, we know the Kingdom is now part of AEW. That's his old faction. They would be the perfect replacement for the Undisputed Era, which, you know, we know right now Kyle O'Reilly's on the shelf, you know, for a mm. long time. And Bobby Fish is apparently boxing. So, um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, it, we, last time, one of the last times we saw the Elite, they were getting jumped by Adam Cole. So maybe that's like, you know, the few they go into next. Um, that would make sense storyline wise, at least. Um, it'd be great to have Adam Cole back, you know, on our screens. Mm-hmm. So, and hell, there's even the Hangman factor. Like, we haven't seen Hangman for the past couple of weeks because of, you know, the concussion. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he shows up with them, at, you know, at the pay per view. Who knows? Finally reunite. That would be nice. <laughs> it's only been like three years, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe it's a situation where like the kingdom or, you know, House of Black jumps them and then Hangman comes out and makes the save. But all right, up next we have the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara, and Claudio Castanoli. So I think this has potential to steal the show. Um they had a fantastic tag match tonight on Dynamite. Um probably the best match of the night. It was the only match that the crowd was into. Um, I am a little annoyed that like Daniel Garcia has just like dropped out of this storyline completely for some unknown reason. Like he's wrestling on dark right now. It's like, what happened? Like he was like the focus. He was the whole reason why like all this started. And now it's just kind of like all disappeared. Um, Maybe they go back to that storyline once this match is done with. Um, but I feel like Jericho is walking away, you know, with the title still, um, still ROH champion. And there's just so much left for him to do. You know, if you think about it, so many like former ROH champions for Jericho to, you know, wrestle against, and especially mm. with like that pay-per-view, like right around the corner, like there's no reason to take the belt off of him yet. You know, and I don't know if that happens at the pay-per-view because that still feels too soon to me, but I don't know. But yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe we see some tension between, you know, both set of friends. Like I could see Brian getting into like Claudio's face. Um, and like I could see like, you know, Jericho getting pissed off at Sammy once he realizes that Sammy's not willing just to lay down for him. Because mm-hmm. that's that's a hundred percent not happening. So, um, you know, but who knows? Uh I'm definitely saying Jericho's going over yeah. in this either way. But um man. Every time we see Claudio in a match, I'm kind of hoping he gets an actual storyline for himself in this upcoming year, at least. Yeah. You know, he shined big time tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, the height that he sent Guevara, like, to, you know, before he hit one of his, you know, patterning uppercuts was just amazing. Like, I'm never not surprised by, like, how strong that dude is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like he gets stronger every fucking week somehow. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think he'll eventually get that title back, but I don't think it's going to be until they have like a TV deal, like 
mm-hmm. you know, in the books, you know, maybe after a couple months of TV, in fact, because I could see Jericho carrying that belt like into the deal and everything like in, into like the premiere of the show. And then like Claudio would will eventually be the person to like unseat him. Yes. Up next, we have the interim AEW Women's World Championship match between Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter. Now, looking at just the build itself, like this match feels unpredictable, but knowing just the outcry fans had when Jamie Hayter didn't win the title last pay-per-view mm-hmm. makes me believe that Hayter's walking away with the title this time. Yeah, it feels like an acclaimed situation where it's like, oh, we made a mistake. Let's let's rectify it immediately. Yeah, but like I feel like they haven't really booked it in a way that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, haters winning this thing. Um, well, it feels entirely secondary to Brit and um, Soraya. Yeah. And you know what? Rightfully so. I feel like that's the bigger match. You know, it's Soraya's comeback. So it mm-hmm. is what it is. Um, you know, they've given them screen time and tony has been a fantastic champion i can't you know state that enough like i feel like she's had probably the best title run of any like AEW women's champion at this point just you know by like sheer like quality match per match um and just like she's featured on the screen all like she's a fighting champion like a true blue fighting champion yes um so i it's a shame that she has to lose the title here but i feel like that's what's gonna happen um but i'm excited for hater um and i'm hoping that this means they're eventually going to get into the brit hater breakup (laughs) i'm hoping like with this title reign that's gonna really like signify that we're finally progressing that story forwards after, you know, it just kind of like treading water for the last couple of years. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to this match. I feel like they're going to put on, you know, a hell of a show. Um, and I see Hater walking away with that title. Um, today on the show, the segment just felt so clunky with um, Hater running out. That I almost felt like with how like long it was taking between the two of them just talking in the ring, I was almost expecting Thunder Rosa to show up and make this an official like triple threat for the title. Yeah, I was expecting them to like go at it. Britt was there, so I thought like, mm-hmm. oh, they're gonna triple team, you know, Storm. And then I thought, you know, Soraya was gonna come out and make the save. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's just like, you know, WWE brain. I don't know. But none of that happened. We just got this nope. weird, awkward stare down. I was like, why aren't you guys fighting? Like, there's no, like, edict that you guys can't come to blows or anything mm. here. <laughs> like, she just ran down the ring to get in Tony's face. It, it was weird. It was very yeah, weird. Yeah, it just felt like a miscue or something. I don't know. Something something must have happened there. I don't know. <laughs> and we'll never know. Uh, up next, we have the AEW Tag Team Championship match between the Acclaimed and Swerve in our glory. So I think I said this last week. My prediction for this match is that uh, Swerve to our glory are going to win back those belts. Um, and I think Keith Lee is going to actually end up turning heel uh, against the Acclaimed. Um, you know, they've been teasing, you know, a breakup between Swerve and Lee. And I feel like that was probably in the books at some point, mm-hmm. but now like they're almost overemphasizing it where I think the opposite, like I feel like it's going to be a swerve, no pun intended. <laughs> um, 
you know, and then you get the belts off the acclaimed, and that way you could have FTR beat Swerve to our glory for those belts um, and have a big, like, baby face moment, you know, unifying all those different titles from around the world, you know, becoming, like, you know, the belt collectors, um, you know, what the cherry on top of what we, you know, fans have been clamoring for over this past year. So, because yes. I feel like it wouldn't be as sweet if they did it against the acclaimed. You know, it'd be more of a mixed reaction if FTR beat the acclaimed to, like, you know, get all the belts. Whereas if they beat Swerve to our glory, like, cr- the crowd will 100% be all over them. You know, it'd be a huge deal. Now, when will that happen? I have no fucking idea. You know, does, <laughs> does that happen, you know, before, you know, the new year? Maybe. Like, maybe they come out and they, you know, they've been sitting on their number one contendership for a long time. You know, who knows? Maybe at Winter's Coming, you know, they make that challenge. They've definitely been teasing, you know, them wanting to, you know, get their shot, their rightful shot at those belts. So, I mean, I could see that happening soon. Um, I'm just surprised that FTR is not on this card at all. Like, I was expecting them to get some kind of match against the Gun Club, but apparently that's not the case. I guess not, but maybe at that pay-per-view for Ring of Honor coming up, that could possibly Uh, be it. Yeah, I could see that. Or, you know, they make a last-second edition on Rampage or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Tony's had bigger cards before. So, I mean, mean, these bad boys can go 14 deeps. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if we get a few additions, you know, last minute. I'm I'm hoping for this storyline that you have come up with as well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Just because <laughs> I I hope that they see that it would be too much for the acclaim to lose the titles to FTR because and I and I also think that FTR is going to lose those New Japan titles at Wrestle Kingdom, but that's just my own speculation. Mm. Uh, and I would hope to see them you know be able to at least get there to uh, Winter's whatever coming. Yeah. Because uh, Wrestle Kingdom's in chance. January. Yeah. So, yeah. So, at least they get to carry, you know, you get the visual of them maybe even at Wrestle Kingdom with all those belts coming yes. down the aisle. That'd be fantastic. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not too sure if they'll lose those belts at Wrestle Kingdom because I feel like New Japan's going to want to keep them around as much as they can. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um who knows? And we don't know yet, right? Who they're facing against at Wrestle Kingdom? No, the tournament's the, uh, still going tag on, tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but it'll be such a great moment for whoever wins that tag tournament to then face off against this team with four belts on them right. and win. You know, I, I think that would be a great moment. But yeah, that's New Japan. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah New Japan doesn't give a shit about your feelings. So uh-huh. They'll do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> Now, if Okada's on the team going up yes. against oh, them, yeah, then it's a problem. Yes. It's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. What, what do we got next? Uh, up next. Um, oh, so, but you're you're predicting then Swerve to Our Glory walking away the belts? Yes. Okay. Swerve in Our Glory, right, yes. 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 Me too. So, up next, we have the Eliminator Tournament Finals with Ethan Page, but we don't know who he's going up against, and we don't know if we're going to if this is even going to happen at the pay-per-view at this point. Yeah, uh, he advanced tonight against Bandito. Um, we know that Ricky Starks was supposed to go against Lance Archer last week, but they did an injury angle. But now it looks like Ricky Starks is going to be facing against Lance Archer on Rampage. But the issue is 
even if Ricky Starks or Lance Archer advance, they still have to face against Brian Cage, who won their bracket. So I don't know exactly when that's taking place. Um, all we know is that the finals is supposed to definitely happen on the pay-per-view. So apparently whoever's going to face off against Ethan Page in the finals, they're going to have to win two matches in pretty short order. So I'm guessing as a case, the winner of Archer versus Starks advances to a match. I'm guessing that's going to be on the pay-per-view um, against Brian Cage. And then they have to face off against Ethan Page. Um, you know, if they get past Brian Cage, that is. Which I, I feel like, you know, for me, it's definitely going to be Stark's first page. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe this is all part of the plan. I'm assuming that's the case here, because we don't know if there's if there was an actual injury <laughs> to Ricky mm-hmm. last week. I doubt he would have healed in just a week period of time, so... Um, I'm guessing this was all for storyline purposes. So they're just, it feels like they're just putting obstacles in front of Ricky Stark so he can overcome impossible odds to get to, you know, Ethan Page uh, in the finals, Um, which makes me feel like Starks is going to actually win this match here, Um, which is a strong possibility. So that was a long way of saying I've got Starks versus Page (laughs) in the finals. And Starks is going over. Uh, it just makes sense to not have Brian Cage either at, in the finals against Ethan. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's just heel face. No, you know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, we know that they're invested in Starks, even though he disappeared mm-hmm. from TV for like a month. Um, but, you know, the last time we saw him, he was going over powerhouse. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a big win for him. I don't know what happened and why <laughs> they decided to keep him off TV. Once again, I, I go back to like, you know, AEW not being transparent when it comes to like injuries and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe it was a personal issue. Um, but like when you don't disclose shit like this, you heal the company. You know, like, because <laughs> it seems like, oh, you're just keeping him off to keep him off because you don't know what the fuck you're doing as a booker, mm-hmm. right? And where, who knows, that might not be the case. Like, maybe Starks was actually injured or something. And we wouldn't, we'd have no clue, though. So it's just a weird policy. Like, no one does this. I don't get it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I got Starks going over here. I feel like Starks is going to end up winning this thing, and we're going to have Starks, you know, uh getting his title shot at winter's Cup. i mean either way starks would probably be a good opponent for whoever's coming out of this aew world championship match between john moxley and mjf hold on i'm not gonna let you hide behind that transition <laughs> you gotta pick a winner <laughs> of that match christian who's winning starks or page for me into spoilers i i feel like it's whatever mjf comes out of this pay-per-view ass yes. is is he heel or if he's face because if he's heel perfect to go up against starks mm-hmm. if he's face perfect to go up against ethan page because i want both of these guys to have a world title opportunity i think they're both deserving of at least being that first oh, opponent yeah, for mjf 100%. but 100 percent. right right now i mean my original prediction when this first started was ethan page but it makes a lot of sense to have starks win this especially if it's in these types of direct like this duress situation yeah after tonight and the weird clunky awkward you know, back and forth between Moxley and MJF. Um, 
I felt like they showed their hand and they might have been showing their hand on purpose and it might have been meant to kind of mislead us. But when MJF, you know, came out there and made the save against the firm after the firm jumped Moxley during his promo, um, it felt like they scattered way too quickly to me. Um, you know, like he was able to basically get rid of the entire like faction with just a couple of haymakers, and that was like, and mm. a poke and a poke to the eye. Like, <laughs> uh, so it, it just felt like okay, well, he's still with the firm. This has all been a ruse. Um, I still feel like Regal's involved somehow. I feel like he's going to be part of it. Um, but yeah, I feel like we're going to come out of the pay-per-view with MGF as this monster heel champion, uh, which is what I want to see at the end of the day. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, I don't necessarily like them doing the whole like aces and eights storyline of like their leader <laughs> getting jumped, you know, all in a swerve, you know, and they end up being the lead. Like they did this with Bully Ray. I don't know if you remember this uh-huh. for months, like Bully Ray was feuding with aces and eights um, for it all to turn into like this huge swerve where he was actually their leader this entire uh-huh. time. <laughs> after like match after match and like pay-per-view match after pay-per-view it made no logical sense whatsoever but whatever i mean this isn't as egregious as that like if he just mm-hmm. took like one power bomb through a table it is what it is it's not my back um but yeah i i still don't necessarily like it but at the end of the day like if it's mgf standing tall with the world title as this dastardly hill i'm fine with it with a New Jersey crowd, though, they're all going to be cheering the hell out of it. It is what it is. Like, everyone understands, like, that's right. that audience, <laughs> you know. It's AEW's uh, version of Bizarro World. Like, whenever WWE went to, like, Canada back in the day, you, uh, you know, they're like, oh, they're this crazy crowd, like, you know, booing John Cena. I was like, well, no, that actually happens everywhere, guys. But regardless. <laughs> but they would also use that for, like, you know, the Hart Foundation. When Brett was on mm. America's soil, he was their top heel, but... In Canada, he's their hero, so mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. That that's fine. I'm fine with regional like babyface love or heat. Like that's totally cool with me. But you're in agreement that uh, MJF's going to win. Yes, yes. I'm saying MJF wins. Um, it's it, it's just going to feel like such a letdown if he doesn't. Uh, uh, and I think Moxley at this point is looking forward to a long vacation. <laughs> <laughs> the vacation he was originally supposed to take after last pay per view. So, um, yeah, I'm saying MGF walks away with the title. It'll feel like a huge moment, regardless of, you know, diluted, you know, storytelling. And, you know, we can start a new chapter for AEW. Knock on wood that MJF doesn't, you know, accidentally get injured or oh God. You know, anything happens in this match. <laughs> I hope not. That'd be a disaster. So, uh, but AEW has definitely been snake bitten this year. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. But yeah, no, I've got MJF going over here, and yeah, like I said, he's a heel at the end of the day. I mean, you, so you obviously feel the same way. Do you feel like he's going to walk out as a heel, or do you feel like you know he is a babyface Christian? I'm going to hold you to like if I have to make the prediction, you have to make the prediction too. You're trying to walk out of here without making a it's- prediction. It's 50-50. You wishy-wash I, I, fuck. 
I I call want it. and I think call it. I want and I think that they'll have him come out as heel. Okay. Because that just seems like the logical way to go. But you never know what's in Tony's head that day. It could just go uh, face for no reason. Who knows? He's not Vince. Come on now. (laughs) I'm just saying. I know I might be in denial, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm praying for this like monster heel like championship run for MJF. It would be something like new and different for AEW. I think it will really like freshen up the product. It's been a while since we had a pure heel champion in, you know, AEW. Well, Kenny, but so much has happened since, you know, his title run that it feels like it happened years ago. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to them shaking things up a little here. Um, I think it'll be a good change of pace. Could you imagine MGF celebrating the ring after winning the title and then all of a sudden we get the uh, Cult of Personality riff? <laughs> Like then, who's the real part? Movie, you know, because <laughs> that's really the devil making you know everyone think that he doesn't exist. Like, uh-huh. if everything was just a huge fucking swerve the entire time, the whole press conference, everything. Like, I don't know if I would be like exhilarated or just annoyed. <laughs> uh, I I would be played. I I would feel really played. Uh-huh. That's. That's a good thing in the end, right? Like, I guess. It's not <laughs> happening, but... It's not. <laughs> By the way, that does it for this week. Uh, join us next week as we'll actually have our review for AEW Full Gear. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.